0: Hi, and thanks for listening to Roots and Wings, a podcast by the Tennessee Commission on Children and Youth. I'm Jonquil Newland. This is the first ever episode, so I'd like to give you just a little history behind our title, Roots and Wings. It comes from a very famous quote you may have heard, and while it's been changed over the years, to the best of our knowledge, the original quote was stated by Mr. Hodding Carter III, a journalist and politician who played an important role in President Jimmy Carter's administration. The quote goes, There are only two lasting bequests that we can hope to give our children. Roots and Wings. And from those words, we named this podcast Roots and Wings. We are going to be talking with... TCCY's Executive Director, Mr. Richard Kennedy. Richard, thank you so much for joining us today. I really do appreciate you. Uh, and just for a little background history with Richard, he was appointed as the Executive Director in June of last year. However, he has a very, very long history with the commission. Uh, almost 20 years at this point. You started in 2000, is that correct? I did. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. Well, Richard, welcome welcome to the first ever episode and thank you so much for being our guinea pig. Well, thank you for, for letting me have the opportunity. <laughs> you know, so I before we get into uh, everything with the commission. I, I want to know a little bit about your back history and the story of of how you became who you are, and where. how did you find yourself to the commission? I understand you have a very long history with the Boy Scouts, and that kind of helped traject you towards this career path. Yeah, yeah you're right. So, um, so
1: after undergrad, um, I knew that I ultimately wanted to do law school, but I also realized that I wanted to take a bit of a break between undergrad and grad school. Um, so having been in Eagle Scout um, growing up. I was I was always drawn to the Boy Scouts, um, partially because I had such a great personal experience um, during my time um, as a Scout. So I was offered a, and accepted a position as a district executive in the Greater New Orleans Area Council, of the Boy Scouts. And so for, for people who are not familiar with the Boy Scouts, the Boy Scouts um, are divided geographically into councils and then subsets of the councils or districts. And so I was responsible for the Audubon District um, in in New Orleans, which was from Canal Street to the river. So I had really kind of, you know, all kinds of uh, uh, different um, units um, there um, from the uptown private schools to to, uh, more distressed um, schools and just a variety of young folks I had the opportunity to work with. So as a a professional scouter, I had a a couple of responsibilities. But um, one of the big responsibilities is that I was that person that would go to schools Um, during the day, and um, they would bring all of the boys into the gym, um, especially my little guys, and I would be the person that would stand in front of them and ask them how many of them like to set things on fire and jump out of helicopters and all kinds of things like that. And so I would get these little guys all fired up. They would go home with a piece of paper, and that night they would come back to school with their parents to join Cub Scouts. Um, But unbeknownst to the parents, the second part of my job was to really recruit the parents to serve as those um, leaders. And then the second primary part of the responsibility was to... Really work with um, with the community to uh, provide that kind of community leadership and support for the for the programs that were happening in that in that district. So uh, so it was a great great opportunity. Um, when I finally decided that after a couple of years I either needed to apply for law school or kind of um, lose that dream, I decided to to come back to Nashville to Middle Tennessee. And so when I came back, I, I realized I. had to have a job while I was figuring things out. And so this was all pre-internet days. So one day I picked up a copy of the Tennessean and looked through the classified section and saw an ad that someone was looking for someone with um, significant Boy Scout knowledge. And so I thought to myself, I thought, gosh, I'm an Eagle Scout and I've worked for the Boy Scouts. I know the Boy Scouts. So Cold sent a resume and cover letter and sure enough was um, called and had an opportunity to be interviewed. So did not know anything about the organization and come to find out it was a residential facility for juvenile sex offenders, for young people who had committed sex offenses and were in treatment to deal with those issues. Um, Now, in full disclosure, I was a political science English major in undergrad, knew nothing about psychology, knew nothing about childhood development. But what they were really working towards is they wanted to take a unit of their boys and they really wanted to model the boys uh, or mirror the boys therapeutic goals and levels with that of the Boy Scouts and really wanted to make it more of an adventure based outdoor type of uh, unit. And so during my time there with with those guys, quickly realized that I just love so many aspects of that work and so much of um, seeing those small breakthroughs with 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 the boys so decided that um, law school was not for me and so decided that I, I did want to do grad school but went back to school to uh, do a master's in counseling and um, so while I was doing grad school I had the opportunity to leave um, the residential facility and I had an opportunity to go to work for um, a mental health service provider that was really focused at that time on delivering in-home services for for children um, who were having some behavioral um, um, issues as well as mental health issues. Did that for a couple of years and um, then had the opportunity to go to work for um, the community services agencies um, which which are no longer um, in existence but at that time was really kind of um, uh, an in-between organization between the department of Children's services and and communities especially juvenile courts uh, across the state so had the opportunity in a lot of ways to really um, cut my teeth with systems work and systems thinking with with uh, that position um, and then towards the end of my time there just really started thinking that um, I wanted to have a larger impact that I wanted to um, I wanted to improve outcomes for, for for more um, children, youth, and families beyond what I was just able to have on my caseload or what I was just um, able to interact with just those few families. So kind of a kind of an accidental um, role or accidental way to get here. Um, I would like to say I had some master plan that I just checked off boxes that I knew I was going to be here all along, but it's all completely accidental and,
0: and one thing building on another. Well, oh, that, that's how life goes. In general, Richard. I think so. When you arrived at TCCY, you became the ombudsman here. Uh, you've worn many hats with this agency. You went from the ombudsman to the director of field operations to the associate director and now the executive director, which you've been in that role since June of, of last year. And, and can you kind of talk about how each one of those positions kind of helped form? how you are in your role now.
1: Yeah, gosh. Um, so so you're right. So I, I've had the opportunity to serve in just a variety of, of roles here with the organization. Um, you're you're right in that when I was first hired um, at the commission in October of 2000, it was to serve as one of the two ombudsmen. Um, we had two ombudsmen on staff at that point. And so um, ombudsman is really just a Swedish word for mediator. And so, um, that particular uh, program of the of the Commission um, is probably the closest to direct service that we have of all of the the roles and responsibilities that we have and it its goal and purpose is to mediate problems between any person who has an issue with the Department of Children's Services or the way that services are being delivered, um, or children who are placed in relative caregiver situations. So we would receive a referral from a person who, you know, was frustrated about just a myriad of things. Um, you know, it could be uh, a person whose um, children had been brought into um, the. Fall foster care system that we're just really trying to understand the timelines and the processes and all of that to to a parent who had some frustration that maybe their you know maybe their child had braces and they hadn't been able to see their orthodontist and you know six months or five months or whatever and really just kind of helping navigate and swim between those two worlds um, to uh, create resolutions for for those um, for those children and families um, you know that was that was a, a fantastic transition position for me, because I, I had been doing direct service for so long and understood so many of the the. Um, the service provision needs, as well as had relationships with so many of the uh, DCS case managers um, across the state from my previous role, that it was kind of a, a natural and kind of smooth, um, smooth fit. Um, what was the secondary just amazing aspect and opportunity for me was to just be a part of the staff of the commission and to see all of the other work that was happening and then to really start being able to think about the work that I was doing in the ombudsman program as, as part of a larger system. Um, so, so, you know, just great experience with that. Um, you know, there are those referrals that, that you know, stay with me that, um, you know, that I think about that, you know, I, I often wonder, gosh, I, I, I wonder how that family's doing or I, I hope things are going well for them. Um, you know, there were some referrals that were those kind of um, tricky referrals. One is that um, I had a young lady call One time, who told me that she was 17 and that she lived in Memphis, and she had decided she wanted to get a tattoo, but that you had to be 18 to get a tattoo in Tennessee, but that you only had to be 16 in Mississippi. So she wanted to know that if she went, or wanted to know if she went across the border into Mississippi and got a tattoo, if she would be arrested when she came back into Tennessee. Well, short answer is I didn't know the answer and I kind (laughs) of doubted it, but at the same time, I was not going to tell a 17 year old young lady lady that she could go get a tattoo and then have her parents call me and say why did you do that right right. (laughs) Uh, so so you know those those kinds of referrals as well so um, you know then I had the opportunity to move into um, our director of field operations position and um, here at the commission um, we have an entire division Um, we have nine regional coordinators um, that are housed across the state one in each of the state's development districts that are responsible for pulling together a council of children's advocates, service providers, just interested citizens in that region, for you know to to look at um, education opportunities, to look at gaps in services, to make recommendations around public policy, and so uh, so I had the opportunity to work with them. Um, you know, it was a, definitely a growth experience for me because prior to that position, I had never supervised a team of people before, and so my very first meeting face-to-face meeting with all of the coordinators the lady who had been um, or who was at that time our regional coordinator in southeast Tennessee which is Chattanooga Hamilton and the surrounding counties um, sat beside me and so she put her hand on my hand and she kind of leaned over and said do you want me to tell you the secret to be incredibly successful in this position and I was like well of course I do and so (laughs) she said shut up and do what we say and so I was like ah you know I can do that, and so I think for me, you know, kind of what I realized with that, and in kind of her joking way with that, but which was so true, is that you know each of our regional coordinators have such a a depth of understanding of the culture in their region of the state, um, the the players, um, the gaps, um, the communities, just all of the the kind of strengths, weaknesses, and opportunities. And so I, I quickly realized that if if I did rely on them then I saw my job as just providing the support they needed to do what they need. And they just always excel with, with what they do. So I think that, you know, kind of lesson learned with supervising our field staff, especially was to really have a vision and have an expectation, but then to allow folks just the, the creativity based on what they know in the world in which they live to resolve those issues, to resolve, them Um, you know I I will often joke or kind of half joke with with our field staff and say that you know a lot of times I feel like that the directions to them would be you know meet me in Memphis at three o'clock on Tuesday I don't care how you get to Memphis you decide that but kind of the same kind of vagaries with some of the larger um, work that they do as well Um, then I had um, the opportunity to move into the associate director position and served in that role for several years, um, I would not trade that position for anything in the world because it, in a lot of ways, really um, was kind of a training ground for me, um, for especially for the for the new role in ways that I didn't even understand at, at that time. Um, you know, it really allowed me the opportunity to um, be involved with all of our agency's work, whether it was the Council on Children's Mental Health to young people, Aging out of the foster care system to being more involved with with uh, the work at the at the legislature um, to down in the weeds work with you know really kind of inside out understanding of the agency's budget and in um, those um, those issues. Um, I think that um, one of the things that I'm so thankful for about in that position is that you know I had the, the great privilege to work for our former executive director Linda O'Neill for for all of the 20 years. I was at the commission, and um, she is just uh, you know a force to be reckoned with, and and an intellect and ability that's just I you know unmatched. Obviously, I, I have her on a pedestal, um, but really to work for her. And for her to give me the latitude that she did to try new things, to to go to her with an idea and say, "Hey, let's do this and let's see what happens." And her response was always, almost always, "Let's do it. Let's see." So even when I think she knew that we probably wouldn't get where I thought we would, she gave me the ability and the freedom to to do that. So I think that that gift and that leadership style really allowed or really helped me feel more comfortable in taking some risk and learning from um, from those experiences that may not pan out the the way that I had hoped initially, but then to be able to regroup and and move, move in another direction.
0: And, and let me just say this as well, Richard, you know, I've, I've been with the commission now just under a year. Um, I'm the director of Kids Central TN, if you guys didn't know already, but I I've been with the commission, and since I've been here, Richard, obviously you have a nag for trying new things, this podcast being one of them. It's like when you were presented with this idea, you said, absolutely, let's make it happen. Uh, And in doing so, it's like this is something very new to the agency. And and why do you hope to to reach a larger audience, and and what messages do you hope – a larger audience will receive.
1: Yeah, so you know, I'm I'm gonna butcher this but but I think there well I know there's like a, a Maya Angelo quote that you know that's basically do the best you can until you know better and when you know better, do better. And so I think that, you know, one of the things that, that I have learned and that I just know at a core level from traveling all across the state is every single person in the state of Tennessee that I have ever talked to about what I do for a job or what we do as an organization, everyone that lives here cares about our children and our youth. And everyone wants our young folks to have opportunities and to really do better than what the generation before them did. You know, what I realize is that we don't always agree on the best way to get there, but at that core level, that's what everyone wants. And so I think that my hope with this podcast and with trying new things and with messaging in a variety of ways is that we're spreading that information, those data, those, those policy recommendations, those things that we see working and making differences in other states to just this broader audience across the state, because like, you know, the quote said, when we know better, we do better. And so the more people that learn more things, the better it's going to be for all of our children, youth, and families.
0: We work specifically, we partner with a lot of different state departments who also work closely with children and families, and they they know what we do. They know how many different arms TCCY has and where we reach out to. Uh, but I would maybe be, uh, I would say like the majority of people who've never heard about the Commission on Children and Youth. Youth or work with the State Departments probably don't. Um, what would you? What message would you like them to know? And how, in a nutshell, would you explain what TCCY is and what we do?
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of laughing a little bit because my dad still thinks I work for the Department of Children's <laughs> Services. So, so like he'll call and say, "Hey, I read about you guys in the paper or nice story with this." And it's to the point now where I'm like, "Oh, thanks, you know, right, just accept right. yeah, yep. credit for the good stuff they do." Um, so yeah, so you know, so it's it's interesting that. That you know, a lot of folks would think that our customer um, here at the Commission on Children and Youth—you would think that our customer would be children and youth—and they're really not. So, so I would say and do say every day that the children and youth and families in Tennessee are really the beneficiaries or the recipients of the the work that we do. I really see um, the role of the Commission on Children and Youth as kind of being kind of an in-state government think tank, systems changer, advocacy organization really looking at how all of the child-serving departments, and, and really all of the other departments, how how the work is so interrelated, or can be so inter, interrelated, to maximize the, the their outcomes. You know, I think that we have such great partners at at the Department of Education, and our friends at the Department of Health, and and our peers at the Department of Mental Health and Substance Abuse Services, and I can just go you know across. And so so I think that what happens in those departments is those folks are just in their in. That by and large in their lanes, really working hard to meet the missions and the goals of the work that they do. And so I really see the the role of the Commission on Children and Youth is to provide those opportunities to bring those those partners from wherever they sit together to really look at what can each of the departments bring to the table or what do each of the departments need from each other to be able to maximize the the outcomes for the children, youth, and families that, that they serve. And, you know, and I certainly um, you know don't want to paint a picture that you know the the departments are so singularly focused that they don't play outside of it's just they have a lot on their plates and so so anything that we can do to help kind of bring that together, I see that as being kind of a a strength and a, and a core principle of what we do as an organization. I think the other um, thing that um, I think about with with our work and I think about. Um, I had the opportunity to be at a a Casey Foundation's communications conference several years ago. And so they were talking about um, kind of um, peer organizations across the country. And the way that they described them was they would ask people, do you make the snowballs or do you throw the snowballs? And so what they would talk about is some of the organizations that were the data collection compilation recommendations um, organizations would do all of the work to produce the the documents that then other advocates would use that data to use in, um, in, um, uh, policy requests or things like that. And so I think at the Commission on Children and Youth, I think we're both. I think we make the snowballs, and I think we, sh- we throw the snowballs. So I think that we work really closely with departments and, and um, compile data and share data and really look at research, and then we use all of that data and research to inform advocacy um, that we do out of the organization.
0: Well said, Richard. I know we've spoken a lot about your professional life, and I want to take it back a few decades yeah. Maybe a few more decades than that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, we all have memories in our childhood that we can say, you know, this helped me become this person or this is what put me on the path for this career. This, um, And I, I want to know about your childhood. Yeah. Uh, you and I grew up in somewhat the same area yeah. in a small town in Murray County. I'm from Spring Hill. Yeah. I grew up in Spring Hill since I was about middle school. Yeah. Um, and so just what what do you think helped pro- provide you a path in your career as a child um what memories kind of stick out yeah you know there there's so there's so many thoughts
1: that uh that i have with that but you know you're you're exactly right i I grew up in murray county and, and um lived in mount pleasant um the the bustling metropolis um but um um, in a lot of ways, really just won the genetic lottery in that, you know, I had the, the good sense to be born to uh, to my mom and my dad um, who did uh, what I think as a great job of parenting. They did not get everything right by any stretch of the imagination. And again, I'm going to apologize to my mom if she's listening to this. Mom, you got a lot of stuff really, really right. Um, but, you know, I think that that, you know, I, I grew up in a in a home where I had zero doubt that I was loved. I knew that I was loved. I knew that I was important. I knew that um, I had a support system. I knew kind of where I fit in in my family and in a lot of ways, kind of in our community. Um, I. Uh, was very fortunate that I had a set of um, my maternal grandparents lived maybe five blocks away. Uh, Paternal grandmother lived maybe six blocks away in another direction. And then I also had a set of great grandparents um, until I was in college. And so uh, also had um, aunts and uncles and, and just kind of many cousins that in a lot of ways just kind of were like siblings to me growing up. Um, In addition to that kind of biological family, you know, it, being a small town, you know, the friends of my parents, you know, I was as likely to be chastised or praised by them as I was anyone in my family. So so I think that that kind of support system, I think, uh, really, really kind of gave me that kind of sense of security and, and safety. You know, I think there there are so many like different memories that I have. You know, one of the things that that uh, my, my dad had kind of an anecdote for everything, but one of the things that I Remember very clearly him saying to me numerous times was that I had one responsibility, and my one responsibility was to leave the wood pile higher than I found it. And so, obviously, being a kid, I was like, I don't even know what that means. But you know, as as I got older, I, I realized that there had been a lot um, of sacrifices made for me generations, you know, before, and and even with my parents, and that um, I had a responsibility to use those investments that had been made in me to make the world a better place and to leave things better than than i found them uh, or found them you know i think the other significant person in my life i uh, was really close to my maternal grandfather and so he was just kind of to me one of those larger than life guys that was just who knew everyone and was just involved in the town in just a variety of ways whether it was you know through his involvement with church or his involvement with civic organizations Um, you know he was uh, a member of the Lions Club and so I can remember always you know in the trunk of his car there were always like light bulbs or brooms or that um, bags of that nasty orange and black peanut butter Halloween candy that he was always kind of selling or whatever to raise money for the, the work of the Lions Club but also this this kind of in this kind of inherent sense of, of community in that you know in, in Mount Pleasant especially in the in that time you know around the the um, town square there were parking spaces and the parking spaces all had these like flag holders and I can remember on like important days like Memorial Day or Labor Day or the 4th of July getting to go with my granddad as he would you know as we would put like American flags in every single one of those those um, those parking or those parking lot posts so just this sense of of community this sense of responsibility this sense of, of using the, the skills and gifts you have to, to make a difference. Um, I think it's just, I think it's just always been there. And then, you know, like we've talked about the Boy Scouts as well. I mean, you know, if, if I consider the, or if I know the Boy Scouts or a youth leadership development program, I, you know, I, I, I bought that hook, line and sinker. And so, you know, just at the fundamental values of that, of, you know, civic responsibility and, and, um, and, you know, improving your communities. Uh, you know, I think I've just been brainwashed in that direction. Um, forever,
0: You know, it, the, there's a saying that everyone knows it takes a village to raise a child. And it, it, that rings true in, in most parts. Cause when you meet someone who has had that happen and has the support you had, you've had, uh, you can tell, you can definitely tell. And that's obviously one of the goals of this agency is to make sure every child and family that's has right. the support they need. Right. Uh, Richard, I just want to say thank you so much for sitting down and being our, our first ever guest yeah, yeah, on and Wings and being the guinea pig for this. Well, I appreciate the <laughs> opportunity. Uh, well, and everyone, to everyone listening. Thank you so much. My name is John Cole Newland. I am the director of Kids Central TN here at the Commission on Children and Youth and I look forward to uh, speaking with you guys or at least having a conversation uh, every month at least to start and we'll see where it goes. But thank you so much, Richard, and thank you everyone for listening.